the last week and a half has been a time for our country when a lot of us are trying to figure out what are we supposed to do, where people are divided, and where a lot of times we just go, what am I supposed to do as a Christ follower? I don't know what to do. And before we talk about what God has kind of put before us in Scripture and before our church, uh, I just want to take a moment to remember seven lives last week that were lost, and that we're going to pray for their families. God, our heart grieves this morning for these fathers who have lost their lives and their kids are waking up this morning without a dad. Lord, I pray that the wives, the family members, the kids will not turn to bitterness and anger but instead, Lord, that they will turn to you and your love. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we truly start to understand what your scriptures call us to when it comes to race, when it comes to us loving our neighbor, and that what we're doing is not enough. And that's so clear within scripture that it's not enough what the American church is doing right now. We must be the leaders in healing our country and being united as, as one behind you and your calling on us. In Jesus' name, amen. So three months ago, I was told that I'm preaching on this Sunday, on the 17th of July, and uh, kind of within that first week, I knew what I was talking about. I was about to leave on sabbatical. I was off for the months of May and June. And while I was away, God put on my heart to talk about race. And so I'd been reading about this. I'd been kind of, my, my dad is a pastor and he has a very uh, racially diverse church. I got a bunch of his sermons that, that he had spoken on race and on rec reconciliation. And uh, I was really all prepared until last Thursday and Friday. And then God really humbled me and forced me back to some even deeper and darker issues. And we're going to talk about that this morning. And we're going to have an honest conversation. And I thank my parents, I thank my sister, for many of you who I met for lunch and just talked about what has been your experience, both here in uh, this country, but also within this church. And guys, if you think that, that we have it together as a church and that people walk in, if they are not white and they feel welcomed and loved, it's, we're not there yet. If you have honest dialogue with those in our church who are members here, who are invested here, we still have a long way to go in being a church that is united. And so this morning, we're going to have an honest conversation about that. And I hope that your heart is open to what God wants to say to you. Last Saturday morning, I, I opened up my phone and I was just looking and I saw an article on CNN, Who Can Heal America? And I was very excited to see how the news was going to say uh, what's happening in our, our country is going to be fixed. 
And I was so disappointed when I got to the end and the whole thing was about politicians. Politicians and government is not going to fix what's wrong with America. Only Jesus can fix it. And the way that Jesus wants to fix it is he wants to use the church. He wants to use the church in such a way that the church stands up and is bold and demonstrates what it truly means to love our neighbor. But the problem is, is that 86% of American churches are not diverse. We are the most segregated in America on Sunday mornings and any other time in our week. And that grieves God's heart because as you look at Scripture, you see He does not want division. Instead, He wants us together and it paints a beautiful picture of what it means to value each other and put someone else before your own needs. And you say, Jeremy, why is there division in the church? It's because we're selfish, because we we go after what's easiest for us or what's most comfortable for us. But what's great about this church is we are multicultural. And I want to thank those of you who have come here who are not white, Because we have made it hard. We sing white songs. We show pictures on the screen of images of a white Jesus with a white child loving the white child and all that. And you've told me this in the last three weeks. Because I've had conversations with people and say, it's hard, Jeremy. I come here, I want to be excited about church, but it's just different. I still don't feel like it's my home. We as a staff, as elders, we are trying to change. We are discussing this a lot about how we can be a place that everyone who walks through the doors feels like they are loved and valued. But we need you also to help in that. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And we're going to get this picture of how John, at the, at the kind of the end times, when we're all in heaven, he paints this picture of what he sees. Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked, and before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lord. You see, I don't think God wants us to wait until heaven for us to be unified by every race, every nationality, every language, that that needs to happen here and now on this earth. And that when that does happen, people will take notice and say, how is that happening? I don't see it happening anywhere else. I see walls going up everywhere else. But within the church, how is this happening? It's because we have Jesus' love. Because we say it's not about me. It's about me being an instrument to bring unity, to bring love to our world. You know, in Scripture, we see great racism and division. 
You see, for the Jews and the Gentiles, they were two groups of people. The Jews were a nation that uh, in the Old Testament was really kind of uh, uh, looking for themselves and what the, their country was all about and protecting uh, their faith. And then the Gentiles were anyone who was not a Jew. And they oppressed each other. There was great racism. They would not talk to each other in their laws. It says you shouldn't enter someone else's house. If you were a Jew, you should not enter a Gentile's house. And so we see this this racism, very blatant. And we see this guy, Peter, a disciple of Christ, who was a great leader within the early church. If you're Catholic here, you remember that, 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 that the Catholics believe that Peter was the first pope. And yet for the 15 years after Jesus left, left this earth, Peter had the idea that only the Jews could have the gospel. He still believed that the Gentiles were not worthy of the gospel that he knew. And it wasn't until chapter 11 of Acts that he has a dream. And one night, In a dream, God says, the way you are viewing your Gentile brothers and sisters is not right. You need to open your heart and bring the gospel to them. And then he's invited to a Gentile's house to present the gospel. And here are his words, and his words are striking. They're found in chapter 10 of Acts, verse 27 28. Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people, and he said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I cannot call anyone impure or unclean. You see, for 15 years, Paul or Peter had this racism. He thought his race was better than someone else, a leader within the church. And then God met him, and he cha- it changed him. And this morning, I hope and I pray that God shows you his heart, because his heart is very clear. You see, in chapter 4 of John, Jesus has an opportunity to go to another part of Israel, and he has to cross through Samaria. Now, Samaria is a part of uh, that region that was full of Gentiles or Samaritans. And so when Jews would usually go and have to kind of go through there, they would actually walk around. They would spend extra days walking around so they did not have to associate or be around Samaritans because they're unclean, they're impure. But Jesus says, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to walk right through and I'm going to show that all are open to the gospel, that all need to hear. And so he gets to this town, he sends his disciples away to get food, and he meets a woman at the well at noon, a Samaritan woman. And now there's two cultural barriers here, two things that you would not do, Jesus, a Jew, would not do. One is you would never associate You never talk to and have a long conversation with a Samaritan, with a Gentile. And then two, you wouldn't talk with a woman all by yourself. And his disciples actually come back after he has this conversation with this woman, and they're like, what the heck is Jesus doing? 
But Jesus shows right there that he values every life. That no matter the culture, no matter what is going on, he intentionally broke down barriers because he loved everyone. Everyone is his creation. He values them and he wants them to know the gospel. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is asked, he's asked by a man, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus goes, love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor. And the guy goes, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. How a man is walking down the road and he is robbed and he is left for dead. He is beaten to the point of death. And then a priest comes by and he sees the man on the road and it's a fellow Jew. And he goes, that's too messy. I don't want to get involved. I'm busy. So he goes to the other side of the road and walks by. Then a Levite comes, and a Levite was one who worked in the temple with the priest. You're talking about two people who should get it, what it means to love. And this Levite sees the man and goes to the other side and walks by, leaving this man for dead because they didn't understand what it truly means to love. And then a Samaritan comes. Now a Samaritan We just talked about it. They have all these things to say, don't associate, don't go near. This is someone who has held you down, who has oppressed you. The Samaritan, instead of asking and going, hmm, why did this man get beat up? Maybe he should have been more careful. Maybe he he should have done this or done that or protected himself or shouldn't have gone in in that section and along that road all by himself. Instead of doing that, it says he had pity. His heart broke. This week, my heart has broken for my brothers and sisters. My brothers and sisters who are struggling, who are doubting, who are saying, I don't know who I can turn to. I don't know if you understand or if you can love me in this time. And my heart has broken for them. You know what the good Samaritan does? He gets down and he helps bandage the wounds. He takes the man to an inn and he helps him to recover. He spends his own money. It costs him something. For us to be a church, a church that embraces and loves all, it's going to cost us. It's going to cost you. It's going to make you uncomfortable. You're going to have uncomfortable conversations. It's going to cost you in the sense that you're going to have to understand how other people are thinking and what they're going through, even when you might not totally understand that you stand beside them and say, I love you. I'm praying for you. I want to be there for you. How can I help? What can I do? You know, for us as a church, this is a time for us to stand up and to be different. It's a time for us to be a church that loves everyone. But not just loves people. Because I think love is a very easy thing to say, I love people. But I mean a love that's intentional. Love that will cost you. Love that will make you uncomfortable. That you have to rely more and more on Jesus each and every day. 
You see, Jesus modeled it. He showed us what it truly means to love other people, and he challenged us in that. Now it's our turn. It's our turn as a church to say, we are different. We here at Black Rock, we are passionate about building bridges, not building walls. And so you say, Jeremy, kind of, what, what is truly going on? You know, for me in my life, I've had the privilege of having parents who understand these issues. My dad has a passion for this. He taught me well. I had many friends throughout my life who have shared with me their story. And I have come to realize, and you might not agree with this statement, that there is such a thing as white privilege. And I have learned, though, that white privilege does not mean that I feel guilty each and every day. When I think about the idea of white privilege, I realize that those who are not white have it much tougher than me. It's much harder for them. And when I get and I start to think through the issues that are going on within culture, my heart breaks for them. Because if I sit back and I just watch TV and I sit on my couch from a distance, I can, I can think that this isn't that big of an issue. There's a study that was done of, of 1,300 ads that were posted for jobs and asking for resumes. And this study respond to, responded to these 1,300 uh, job kind of ads. And it responded with four names. Two names that sounded like they were African-American names and two names that sounded like they were white names. And they waited to see how many of these resumes that looked really identical except for the names would get callbacks. Would say, hey, we, we want to we go further with hiring you. You know, the white names had 50% more likely to get a callback. This is recent. This is not 20, 30, 40 years ago. This is here and now. You know, for the black name, the African-American name, to get a callback as much as the white name, they had to have eight more years' experience on the resume. There is such a thing as I am privileged. The world is very different for me than for my Hispanic and Asian and, and black friends. I have had conversations and heard stories this week of those of my brothers and sisters and how they have faced racism. From them telling me about when they were at school and teachers treated them differently, it was harder for them in school to get the grades than for those of, those of them who were white. They've told me how they've been pulled over recently for going 30 in a 30, taken out of their car and frisked. And then asked, why are you driving through this section of town? They have told me how then they were in high school, they were teased, and they were, they were asked, how long did it take your family to swim here? I've been told how one man who moved here from Africa, how his first time walking down the road, he experienced racism. And how the person walking towards him saw him coming and went directly across the street so they didn't have to confront or look him in the eye. 
if you don't think there's racism and that there is a difference between being black and being white, Hispanic, Asian, open your eyes and start to have conversations and let your heart mourn and say, now is the time for me to do something. We as a church, we need to be intentional. First of all, intentional to listen. Listen to people's stories. Listen to what they have gone through and ask the tough questions. Ask the questions of your coworkers, of your neighbors, and don't just assume and judge from your couch because it's so easy to do that, to think we have it all together, we can fix it. But get to know people's story and it will open up your heart and you will grieve and then you will go, I can do something about this. The second is we need to be intentional about defending our brothers and sisters. That when things happen in our country, when there is racism, when we see it in our workplace or around us, that we stand up and say, this should not happen. This should not be. My kids should not have this happen to their friends. And then lastly, we must be intentional about extending grace. If we're going to start to have conversations, if we're going to start to grow in this area as a church, we need to have grace because it's messy. It's hard. You're going to say things that you probably shouldn't have said because you just haven't talked about it enough and understand the real issues. But we as a family, as Christ followers, need to extend grace as we go into this with conversations and defending and loving our brothers and sisters. For us as a church, this is a great time for us to stand up and to be the light to our community about what it means to love what it means to value and appreciate people's story and what they're going through. And not just to say it's an easy fix or politicians can fix it, but we believe that through Jesus, him dying on the cross, his example to us, that we can bring love. So this week, here's some things I want to challenge you to do. One is, when you turn on the TV and you click to your normal news station, click to a new one. Click to one that you are not comfortable with. And as you watch it, ask God to reveal his heart to you. Hear people's story. Hear what they're going through. Because when you do that, your heart begins to expand. You begin to see that this issue is much bigger. And you have so, so much to learn. Second is talk to somebody. Talk to somebody that you've not talked to about race before. And if you don't have someone to talk to, start to really consider finding someone to talk to because we need to be in conversation about this. We need to have honest dialogue. And when you talk to someone, here's the hardest part I'm going to give you. Ask 10 questions before you judge or you comment. Ask 10 questions. Because for us, it's so easy for us to rationalize and say this and say that and for us to make a judgment. Ask 10 questions. And I guarantee your heart will be moved that you will love your brother or sister so much more after that conversation. 
Third thing that you can do is you can serve here at this church. We as a church need to show that together we are all about Jesus and about his love and bringing that to each person that comes here. As you walk out the doors today, the ushers are going to have uh, brochures of what opportunities there are for you to step into serving here. If you are not serving at this church, help us. Be a part of us bringing Jesus' love. You know, on Thursday night, we're going to have a panel here, right here. And I asked some of my friends, and I was, I was actually shocked by their response. I asked three guys I called, and I told them my heart, I told them what I was preaching on, and I said, would you be willing to answer some tough questions, to share your experience? And what was so cool was all three, without even a hesitation, said, we need to talk about this. I need to share. One, that shows, guys, this issue is big. If they don't even hesitate, there's something that we need to hear. But two, it shows that they want to begin the healing. And they want to share with you what they have gone through, their perspective, and how together we can come together. And then lastly, we need to pray. And the reason why I didn't start with prayer is that I think too many times we say we can pray. And we sit on our couch and we pray, and that's about it. And we're not moved to action. This week, as you're watching TV, pray for our country. Pray for your friends. Pray for your brothers and sisters. This week, as you're talking to someone about race, pray, God, open my heart. Help me to see what's truly going on and how I can be moved, how I can be moved into action. This week, pray about serving here at this church and about being a part of us bringing God's love to everyone who walks through the doors here. This week, pray and be here and be a part of what we're going to discuss and about us growing together as a church. You see, just prayer when it comes to this issue is not enough. It's prayer and action together. And that's what I'm excited about for our church. Thank you for being a part of this church and for where we are at today. But I am also excited about where we are going to go as a church. A church where every race, every nationality, every color is represented. Because we love Jesus. Because we have experienced the cross and we are all brothers and sisters. And we're here to listen and defend and extend grace. And as we do that together... God is happy. God is pleased. And then God will do something in Fairfield County. I'm excited about our future as a church. I think today is a major step for us, but we have a long way to go. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But together with God's grace, I believe we can model to our world what it means to be a church that is unified a church that loves unconditionally, where every race, nationality, and language come and say, this is my church. I am proud to be a part of this church. 